Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories and tell a few of our own. The latest official labor data show that the jobless rate shot up to double digits as millions of Filipinos became unemployed. The Philippine Statistics Agency reported that as of April 2020, there were around 7.3 million jobless Filipinos. Jobstreet, an online job search platform that has around 42,000 listings, saw 2 million visitors checking out their website from April to June. If you're looking for a job, forget those numbers. Career coach Caroline Siniza Levine says that the only numbers you should be concerned about are your own. That means tracking the number of applications you've sent out, the number of interviews you've landed, the number of callbacks you've gotten. Now those numbers are important to you as a job seeker. And in this episode, Caroline tells multimedia reporter Patricia B. Marisol that the coronavirus is not the end of your career. She gives practical advice from tips on how to handle online interviews to the two main skills that you have to be thinking about if you're looking for a job. Hi, Caroline. Thank you for finding the time for this interview. Thanks so much for having me. Maybe we can start by you telling us a bit more about yourself and your journey as a career coach. So I started my career actually in management consulting. So I was in the advisory business, but to businesses, not to individuals. And what brought me to the career space was that I actually joined an executive search firm that focused on recruiting management consultants. So I stayed in the same industry, but that moved me into a recruiting capacity. And in that role, I hired and evaluated hundreds of candidates. And then I moved into actually an in-house recruiting role with a media company. And I was there for several years, hiring thousands of people across different functional areas from the edit and creative side to the business, sales, marketing, technology operations side. So I've touched a lot of industries and a lot of functional areas since the media company. I've been out on my own. I've done recruiting projects in tech, pharma, biotech, education, nonprofit, and different levels, different roles. And so I bring that recruiting experience to my coaching. I specifically work with job seekers to bring the employer's perspective to light. I think too often people are so hung up about their job search that they don't put themselves into the employer's shoes and think about how an employer might be looking at their resume, LinkedIn profile, listening to their networking and interview technique, et cetera. So I help bring that perspective. It sounds like your experience has been pretty extensive and like what you mentioned at different levels and different roles. So I'm interested to know through the years, how has job hunting changed and how is it particularly different now because of this pandemic? I would say that over the years, job search has definitely changed. I think traditionally, when we think of job search, we think of a job posting comes up, We submit a resume, we do some interviews, we get hired. And it's a pretty simple process with those few steps. Well, now there's a lot more technology involved and that doesn't change the hiring process in terms of we still need to submit something, we still need to get interviewed and we still then get hired. 
but there are a lot of different ways that companies can discover a candidate. It's much easier now to do research, to look at things like LinkedIn, where people are connected, and to see if a resume comes across your desk, you can see, oh, I know someone at that company. You can see who they're connected to. You can ask around even before you interview someone. So I've seen over the years that submitting a resume isn't enough. Employers absolutely ask around. That's called backdoor references. So these are casual references. Um, as a recruiter, I always did research and I was looking for people who were speaking at conferences or who were getting published or who were getting mentioned. Of course, these are for very senior and competitive positions. But even as an entry-level person or as a new job entrant, you still have a digital presence and brand. You still are commenting on social. What you're posting uh, is a reflection of who you are. And so employers know a lot more about candidates. So that has definitely changed the way they look at candidates. And in the pandemic, post-pandemic specifically, I would say that there are two main things that job seekers need to be aware of. One is that with the pandemic and all the social distancing, these digital tools are going to be even more important, virtual networking, virtual interviewing. So your ability to navigate a phone call, a Zoom or Skype or Google Meet or however you do the virtual meeting, that's so much more important. And that does change the dynamic. It's different to do a video interview than a live interview. It's not at all the same, even though you're technically looking at the person and you're technically speaking face-to-face, -face, it is not the same interaction. So you need to practice for that. And then I would say that secondly, this is a pandemic with far-reaching economic fallout and every company is uncertain about its future and about its business prospects. And that doesn't mean that there isn't hiring. There is always hiring in every market. In down markets, tight markets, there is still hiring. But employers are going to be cautious about hiring. So job seekers really need to be prepared to show their value because if an employer is unsure, that just adds to the uncertainty and they're not going to take a chance in a market that's already uncertain. Some good points there. I was meaning to ask you about digital interviewing. How is interviewing digitally different from interviewing physically? I mean, do you have to be more expressive? Do you, I don't know, you have to smile wider? Do you have to gesture with your hands more? Do you need more forceful language? Digital interviewing is different in several different ways. So first of all, you have the technology, which is an added layer of complexity. As a job seeker, you're already nervous about the interview. You already have to think about developing rapport with a person that you don't know. You have to think about explaining yourself and basically walking through the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of history that you have. Um, you have to be prepared around company research and questions like, tell me about yourself and why do you want this role? So you're already nervous. Add to that the technology. Is your internet connection going to hold up? Is your microphone going to be clear enough? Are you going to hear the other person? Is their internet connection going to be working well? So you have that added layer. And the reality is, is that even though you're looking at each other and you're face-to-face, -face, you really aren't because 
depending on the placement of your webcam and the placement of your display, many times you need to be looking at your webcam so the person thinks that you're looking at them, but then you can't exactly see them. Your display is typically slightly lower than the webcam. So you have to be pretty experienced while you're conducting a video interview to give the illusion that you're looking at the person while you're also still looking down to actually look at the person and see things like their nonverbal cues because people give nonverbal cues and you can see if our person is listening to you, if they seem interested, if they're trying to ask a question, if they look confused, you want to see those verbal cues. And at the same time, you have to give off those cues. And you mentioned something, Patricia, about energy and about expressiveness. And you can see this for yourself. Any job seeker can record themselves on the phone or record themselves on video. And you'll see that unless you have bigger energy, more enthusiasm in your voice, so modulation and a nice cadence to your voice, you are going to sound flatter over the telephone or over video. It's just the way the medium translates. And so you have to practice that. You don't want to be so big with big gestures that you look ridiculous on a small screen. And yet at the same time, you do want to come across as energetic and enthusiastic because that's very important. So it's difficult. It's different than live interviews. I totally agree with you. I think that communicating digitally is a different ball game and one has to practice to get better at it. What skills do you think would be more in demand moving forward? I mean, I'm imagining that communication skills will always be a strength, but like apart from communication skills, do you think that moving forward, recruiters will be more into people who actually have IT skills, people who are comfortable in digital? What do you think? I get this question a lot. What's the hot area? What are the opportunities for growth? And the reality is, is that changes all the time as market conditions change. It wasn't that long ago, of course, at this point, it's 20 years ago, but Y2K, when we were going from 1999 to 2000, there was a rush of hiring of technology professionals who were going to be able to help companies navigate all the changes in the legacy systems that needed to happen during Y2K. And then nothing. Right, And then there was no hiring in that area. So you had this incredible run-up and then nothing happened. Right now, we're seeing a run-up in machine learning, robotics automation, artificial intelligence, big data. So a lot of the analytics skills are very in demand. And so, sure, that's what the market is today. But I would say that... Communication skills, I agree with you 100%. Those soft skills are always necessary. I would say that there are two main skills that we need to be thinking about always because of the way that the world is. And one of that is resiliency. So the ability to bounce back, the ability to deal with uncertainty and to deal with change. And I don't say that just because of the pandemic and the uncertainty that it brings, but if not the pandemic, we still are dealing with social justice movements, we're dealing with climate change, we're dealing with very rapid advancements in technology that are changing the way economies, whole economies need to work. And so the person who is able to adapt 
that is the person who is going to be successful in this market. And you can imagine that's in a number of different industries and roles. And then secondly, I would say because market conditions are changing so quickly and so frequently, the skill that you really need is the ability to learn new skills. Reskilling is the skill. And I don't say that tongue in cheek. I mean that very seriously, that you need to be prepared to learn new systems, new processes, and that you need to think of yourself, whether you're earlier in your career or in the later stages of your career, you have to be a lifelong learner in this market. I love that you mentioned resiliency because I agree that agility and adaptability are important nowadays especially since like what you said, the market is changing all the time. The world is really moving faster than we all anticipated. Talking about resilience and reskilling and upskilling, some people also think of this pandemic as the great rethink because this crisis has made us rethink a lot of the things we took for granted or thought to be necessary. How can individuals use this period to better their careers? Well, I think just asking that question, am I in the role that I want to be in that is the best use of my skills, that matches my priorities and my values and my interests right now? I think just that prompt to rethink, as you mentioned, that's very valuable. And it's worth it to take a step back and think about that. I also think the pandemic is forcing a lot of people to work a different way, whether it's working from home and really having to navigate that technology for the first time, working in isolation, so not being able to be elbow to elbow with colleagues, if you're the type of person who gets your energy from other people, who might manage by walking around and checking the pulse of how people are feeling, you don't have that anymore and you have to find a new way of communicating and collaborating and working with others. And so that forces you to stretch. And that's a good thing. I think we all need to learn how to work with remote and dispersed teams. It's okay if you're incredibly busy in your job and really that's enough for you to just be navigating this new world of work and to be doing your job. That if you feel like you're just hanging on and that you can't launch a job search right now. You do not have the bandwidth to be thinking the big rethink about your priorities that you just want to get the job done, manage this busyness. I think that's okay too. I would say that make a note to yourself one, two, or three months later to check back in. You might feel better about your workload and differently about rethinking and you can revisit it then. So I want to balance the need to constantly be doing something and to think ahead with the reality that we're already under the gun. We're already in unprecedented times. And it's okay if you're still feeling like you just want to focus on exactly where you are. Wow, thank you for that. Some people are also pressured to pivot because other people are doing it. By the way, you mentioned working in isolation and getting your energy from other people, talking about other people. How can job seekers network nowadays when like everybody's in isolation? And how can 
job seekers reach out to their network in a way that's respectful and not too spammy? I think the pandemic, believe it or not, is an opportunity to step up the networking. And it doesn't feel spammy if it's genuine. And I know for myself that when the pandemic hit, I just reached out to almost everybody in my contact list. I did maybe 300 emails, Zooms, phone calls within the first month that the pandemic was really breaking here in the U.S. And it was a very simple outreach. I just titled it Thinking of You or Checking In or something like that. It was to my personal context as well as my professional context. I just really wanted to see how people were. I didn't talk business with my professional colleagues. I really just wanted to hear how they were doing. And they responded in kind. I think people are hungry for connection because we are so isolated right now. So I think people would be very happy to hear from you, even if it's been one, two, three or more years or simply months, they would still like to hear from you, again, if it's in a genuine and considerate way. If the first time you're reaching out to someone is during this pandemic and, oh, by the way, you're looking for a job, that's when it feels manipulative. Although I will say, you know, people are very kind and they also know that they would want that same courtesy for their job search. And so I think where people are able to help, I have found people to be very willing. I ask that question because I know some people who only reach out when they need something from their contacts. So yeah, I agree that that smacks off manipulation. Talking about this pandemic further, I think you mentioned in one of your articles that the right time to change careers is when you are ready. So it doesn't depend on the market. It actually depends on your own internal readiness. Should people who don't like their job anyway start to think about reinventing themselves or maybe pursuing a different path, especially since this pandemic has allowed people to think of things they usually wouldn't? When I said that internal readiness is more important than external market conditions, what I mean by that isn't that external market conditions aren't important. Surely, if I was looking for a job, I would prefer to be looking for a job in a bull market, in a growth market, where employers are fighting over candidates, rather than in an uncertain market where there's high unemployment and employers are anxious and cautious about hiring. So, of course, all things being equal, I'd rather choose a hot market than a cold market. But that being said, our own internal readiness is more important in the sense that job search will always have ups and downs. Even in a hot market, you're not going to get every call back. You're not going to get called in from every resume that you send. Not everyone that you want to network with is going to say yes. You will always hear no in your job search, in your career. And the person who is internally ready, who really wants to get that new job or start that new career, they will find a way past the no. 
they will figure out someone else to talk to. They will figure out another way to ask. So the answer is yes. They will find a way. And that's really what's the most important thing. So if you are in a situation where you're in a job that you don't like, that's not good enough <laughs> to just say, okay, I'm going to quit. Caroline said that if I don't like my job, I can quit. No, I did not say that. I did not mean that. What I'm saying is that if you don't like your job, that is a sign that you need to think about doing something else. That still means that when you have a job, that's the best time to look for a job. So you're not desperate. So you have some leverage to say no and not settle for the first thing that comes along. So it's still worth it to stay at a job that you don't like if you can look for a job alongside having that job. But some people can't. Their job search environment, you know, the market is too confidential. Maybe it's a small pool of people and everybody talks. Maybe their job is just too busy and they can't spare the time to look at a job. Maybe they want to take some time off and they have the money to do that. So they aren't going to be desperate and have to settle for the next thing. So everyone's situation is different. All things being equal, it's better to look for a job when you already have one. But if your circumstances are different and you can afford it and you want to take the time off, I have seen people who have done that and who have very successfully found themselves a new job, even though they quit their first job without anything lined up. So talking about the job offers, do you think that job seekers should be negotiating salaries nowadays, given the current economic crisis? Do you think that it would be okay to just accept an offer now and then renegotiate several months later when the world economy hopefully recovers? Negotiation is a hyper-local situation, meaning that each case is entirely different. All things being equal, of course, I'd rather negotiate in a growing market, a hot market where employers might be fighting over their job candidates. But the reality is that when an employer gives you an offer, you have leverage. They've invested in you. They've already said that they like you. And so there's always room to negotiate in both an up market and a down market. Keep in mind that when you start the hiring process, that very first interview is the start of a negotiation, not because you are talking numbers. I don't want you to talk numbers early in the process. Don't talk as if you have an offer when you just started. It's presumptuous and it might strike the employer as arrogant and imposing. However, you are negotiating in the sense that your very first impressions with that employer set the stage for how they're going to perceive you, what level, what potential title, what scope of responsibility can you handle, and how much they like you and how much they're willing to pay. So it all starts there, even though you're not talking numbers. So yes, absolutely. In an up market and in today's market, a down market, a pandemic, I would encourage people to always negotiate. If you ask for more in a way that's confident, that's still polite, still respectful, where you show you're enthusiastic about getting started, but 
you are asking about fair market value. You want to be paid what you deserve. Employers respect that. They expect you to negotiate. And if you're a good negotiator, they'll be super excited to have you on their team because they will want you to negotiate as hard for them as you do for yourself. Wow, I like that last point. You negotiate well enough, they will like you because that means that you can negotiate as well for them as well as for yourself. I think it's very encouraging to hear that there's always room to negotiate, whether in a hot or cold market. So talking about room to negotiate and the entire interview process, a lot of people are looking for a job right now. Like in the Philippines, the current unemployment rate is 17.7%. It rose to that figure from 5.1% last year. A lot of these people lost their jobs because of the pandemic. So in this market, do you have any tips for how to stand out? Well, the first thing that I'll say is stop reading the unemployment numbers unless you're an economist or a journalist that has to cover the unemployment numbers. They're irrelevant to you. For a job seeker, your employment number is zero or 100%. You either have a job or you don't. You either like your job or you don't. And so the number that you're looking at is your own. And the numbers that you should be following are things like how much time are you spending on your job search? How many resumes have you sent out? How many people have you spoken to? How many people have agreed to meet with you? How many people are interviewing you? Of those interviews, how many callbacks are you receiving? So you're looking at your own results and your own efforts and your own effectiveness. And that's really what counts here. And unfortunately, these numbers scare people. But the reality is, is that what does it mean 10%, 20%, 50% unemployment? You're just trying to be the one person out of two, if there are 50% unemployed, that has the job. And so again, unless you are a labor economist or a journalist covering the market, someone who has to pay attention to the overall picture and maybe has to create government policy or has to write a story around the overall picture, you only care about your own. That isn't to say that job seekers don't have responsibilities once they get their job to thank the people who help them, to think about other people who still might be looking and to share leads that they didn't use for themselves that might be useful to other people, to refer other people, to give advice. We can all help others, but in terms of standing out and being the best job seeker you can be for your own search, that's about your efforts and about figuring out what it is that you want doing your research on those companies and those roles, being super clear about your background, your skills, your expertise, and your experience, and how these are relevant to that specific company for that specific role, not just in general, not for every company, not for every role, not for every industry, for that specific job opening. If you can be the person who is the solution for the problem that that company has, then you will stand out. Because again, this is the pandemic. The market is uncertain. Employers want to be sure. And they want to be sure that you can hit the ground running from the first day and solve a problem for them. That's what's going to make you stand out. 
I like the way you phrased it. As a job seeker, the only employment numbers you should be looking at is either zero or a hundred. So it's either you have a job or you don't. Is there any way that job seekers can improve their digital presence to make themselves more attractive to recruiters instead of them having to do outreach all the time? Well, it's going to depend on the job that you're in and how competitive the market is for candidates. And so if you take a very simple example here in the U.S., Amazon, Walmart, some of these online retailers, they're hiring in droves, thousands and thousands of people. They need delivery people. They need inventory stockers. They need customer service reps, et cetera, et cetera. These jobs are fungible. A lot of people can do these jobs. And so it is unlikely that there's going to be a recruiter who's going to call around to try and identify people for these jobs because the profile is pretty general and a lot of people can fit the profile. It makes more sense to see who applies to try to attract people to apply so that they're actually raising their hands and saying, yes, I am interested in doing this job. Now, on the other extreme, let's take someone who's an expert in machine learning. This is something that is a pretty new area. It's a very hot area. It's a rare commodity. So someone who actually has experience in this area, there's not that many of them. And so not only are they identifiable, so a recruiter can find them just by Googling the right keywords or looking at machine learning conferences or asking people in the machine learning field who's up and coming. So those specific people are identifiable and they are highly uh, sought after. And so that's the type of profile that a recruiter is going to be looking for. Now, there's, of course, there's an in-between. There are issues where uh, maybe a company is looking for a head of marketing for a business unit. It's a senior enough position that they have a very specific profile and the company needs some help in finding that person because there are a lot of different marketing people. So that's in between the Amazon warehouse example and the machine learning scientist example. So yes, absolutely. You can be in a situation where a recruiter might have to find you. I would say that I wouldn't wait for that situation. I wouldn't wait certainly in a pandemic because in a pandemic, companies are gun shy about hiring. They're not gonna wanna spend a lot of money on a recruiter. If they can find the person themselves, they will. And so it's less likely that there are lots of recruiters calling around for jobs. And the other thing is when you're waiting for someone to ask, it's ceding control of your search or giving up control of your search to someone else or to some faceless entity that might call you. And I think you might be waiting for a long time. So I would say you could help yourself for sure by making sure that you have an updated digital profile that includes the keywords, that includes specific results and accomplishments so that if someone sees your profile, they can very easily see what you would be qualified for if they're looking, right? But Barring that, and then of course there are virtual conferences that you could be doing, there's publishing, you could write something, you could be mentioned in the media and get your name out there that way. But again, that gives you a strong personal brand, which is great, but 
a recruiter still needs to happen to be looking when you happen to want to make a move. And that for me is giving up way too much control to someone else. I would rather be in charge of my own career. No one's going to advocate for your career more fervently than you will. No one's going to know what your skill set is best for than you will. So you don't want to give that up to a recruiter, however talented or well-meaning they might be. I feel that job hunting is a full-time job and not all companies are worth the research, time, and effort. How can job hunters tell which companies are truly worth aiming for? Initially, you can do a search by things like industry, right? So if you're not interested in financial services or industrials or pharmaceuticals, don't look at those companies. If you are the type of person who wants to be close to the consumer, then you want to look at consumer industries. If you are the person who doesn't care about industry, let's say, and you say to yourself, I don't care what industry I work in, but I really want to do sales or I want to do accounting or I want to do HR. So you're focused more on the role. Then you still need to think about, well, what size of company do I want to work for? Is it a startup or is it a large company? Is it a small company or a large company? Is it a startup or an established company? So these are all different types of cultures. So you can look at the general parameters of an industry, of a company, of a role, and you can see yes or no if you're interested. Now, that being said, I would caution people into saying no too quickly. I would say that if it seems like it would be interesting, you should investigate further. Talk to people who have worked there. Go on an interview if you have time to go on the interview, because many times the job posting doesn't say everything about the job, and you can get a much better sense talking to someone who's there. And by the way, they may or may not be interested in you, so at the very least, you have one networking interaction, and you get some interview practice. So I would say yes far more frequently than I say no, but certainly in the interest of time, you can do some preliminary research around industry role, company size, company history, and to see what matches with your own preferences. Some people take like several months before they could find a job. Some people take several weeks before they could even get one call back. How can one not lose hope in case one's job hunting or career efforts aren't paying off as soon as one would hope? The job search is about people hiring people. So that's where the unpredictability is. You might be doing all the right things, spending enough time, sending out resumes, reaching out to people. You're making the right efforts and you're not seeing results. So I think the important thing for a job seeker is to track the efforts and not necessarily the results. So certainly in the beginning, you wanna track things like the total number of hours. You wanna track how many companies you're researching, how many people you're reaching out to. And then a few weeks into your search, you should at least be getting someone who says yes. And if it's a very, very low number, you know, you're sending out emails or making calls and people really aren't getting back to you, then you have to troubleshoot because effort only goes so far. Ultimately, you're going to start a new job if your efforts are successful. So it is about results ultimately. So I would say, give yourself a few weeks, 
look at your efforts and tweak things. It might be that you're reaching out to the wrong people. It's just that you really don't know these people and you have to warm up the relationship. It could be that there's something in your email that's putting people off. It could be that you're sending out resumes blindly and that's the only thing you're doing and you should reach out to some people that you know. It could be that you're applying for jobs that you're just not qualified for. So it is worth it to look at your results. But I would say that in the beginning, you wanna be tracking your efforts because usually if you're putting in enough time, talking to enough people and submitting enough resumes, you're gonna start to get some results and then you'll better be able to course correct and really identify what you need to refine uh, and how best to do that. Track the efforts and not the results. And if after a few weeks, you still don't get a yes, you need to start tweaking. Our interview is about to end. In this interview, I learned that you have to be proactive and deliberate in your job search because no one's going to advocate for your career more than you. And there is always hiring, even in a down market. Therefore, this coronavirus isn't the end of your career. I would just love to end on an optimistic note. I think that people should always look for a job when they feel like they want a new job. At the very least, it might make them fall in love with their job again. The job that they currently have, they might think that it's not a great job, but when they see what else is out there, they realize they appreciate more what they have, that they actually like what they do enough and that they don't want to make a move. And for people who do start to look and they realize that there's a big world out there and they might be more suited and more interested and more valuable uh, in some other role than what they have now. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard career coach and senior contributor at Forbes magazine, Caroline Siniza Levine, talking to multimedia reporter Patricia B. Marisol about job hunting during the pandemic. There is always hiring, even in a down market. Employers are still looking for good people, although they're being more cautious about it. The two main skills that we have to be thinking about are resiliency plus the ability to learn. We have to bounce back, reskill, and upskill, pandemic or no. This episode was recorded remotely on July 29. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay sane.